The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to I Took the High Road with Jacob Jansen. Our program is designed to educate about the drug problems that are reaching epidemic proportions in the United States. Could we be approaching the drug problem the wrong way? Mr. Jansen has been down the road of addiction, down the path of recovery, and now helps others find their path. Addicts are not bad people trying to get good. They are sick people needing to get well. Are you a part of the solution or the problem? Come and join us for an hour of fantastic guests, amazing stories, positive encouragement, and information that just might make your community a better place. Now, here is your host, Jacob Jensen. Good morning, everyone. I'm your host, Jacob Jansen, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, we got a really great show today on drug prevention and awareness, people making a difference. Um, and we're doing this for Recovery Month, which is September, uh, Nationwide Recovery Month. Um, we have some real special guests in the uh, the, the studio today. Uh, f- the first is Linda Lenz, who is the founder and president of Stop Heroin Now Incorporated, which is a nonprofit, and she's also the founder of Stop Heroin Wisconsin, uh, which is on Facebook, and it has the biggest following for an anti awareness uh, or anti heroin awareness page in the Midwest. Um, the second segment today, we have Patty Lomas, who is the founder of the C.J. Lomas Recovery Foundation. Um, and later on in the show, we have Anthony Alvarado and Douglas Darby, uh, the co-founders of Rise Together. Um, so when, when I started my company, My Recovery Project, we, one of my battle cries you know, at the, at the very beginning of it was education, not incarceration. Um, and, I, and I remember uh, that period of incarceration and being locked up in the Huber facility for eight and a half months. And... I started wearing T-shirts, you know, uh, customized clothing from my company that had education, not incarceration on it. And they'd have this lobby that was there, um, and the guards would sit and wait for groups of people to go in. And I remember sitting in that lobby for hours and hours and hours sometimes, uh, waiting to go upstairs so I could be locked in for for the rest of the day. And uh, I often wondered if uh, some of that time waiting was spent because I was trying to promote that message of education instead of car incarceration and, um, you know, potentially take some of these correctional officers' jobs away by getting these people the help and the treatment they really need. So uh, today we're going to talk about the uh, the education side of this and, and the component. Uh, and the first guest that we have in the studio today is, is Linda Lenz. Like I said, she's the founder and president of Stop Heroin Now, uh, which is a nonprofit in Stop Heroin Wisconsin on Facebook, uh, which has a little over 9,300 followers right now. Um, so Linda, thank you for joining us today and being here. Thank you, Jacob. Uh, so the first question I'd really like to ask you is, you know, can you tell me a little bit about your organization and why you started it? Um, well, I was kind of forced into this. Um, 
uh, I had a very good friend, Gail Valente, who knew my story. I actually lost two sons. I lost my older son, Canton, in 2010. Um, he had a rare genetic disorder and um, had a lot of pain. Um, he took pain pills for a reason. He really needed them. And um, he passed away in 2010. And about two weeks after he died, I found that my younger son, Tony, um, was using heroin. And so um, my friend Gail said, you have a story to tell. You need to be on television. And she got me on the evening news. And after I told my story, I knew I had to have a place to connect with people. So another good friend, Kathy Bowen, threw a cause page together on Facebook, uh, Stop Heroin WI. And I was overwhelmed with the people that hit the page and wanted to talk about this topic. Sure. So, so you certainly have an interesting perspective on this. Go having, you know, one son who needed this medication and another one uh, who didn't, um, and and decided to take it anyway. Uh, you, you mentioned that you started with uh, social media. Did you really expect the response that you got from that? No, ab- I absolutely didn't. First of all, I I didn't know how many people. Uh, in in my close range, I actually that's why I named it WI Wisconsin, not thinking it would go any further. And now I have people following all over the country, and actually almost every country in the world. Uh, I did not know the problem was this big. I was I was overwhelmed, and I was on a mission um, to tell parents just what was going on. The kids were using pills, and that pills were synthetic heroin, and that's why someone would stick a needle in their arm. I. I just didn't understand it myself. I needed people to explain to me why someone with a charmed life living in the suburbs who had everything was smart, funny, intelligent, would ever use heroin. Sure. Just real real quick, um, if people wanted to find this on Facebook, how would they find you? Oh, they just go to uh, their Facebook page and they type in Stop Heroin WI and they'll find it. And I also have Stop Heroin Now. Um, I went ahead and uh, opened my nonprofit StopHeroinNow.org. Um, you can find me there too. And uh, please, please uh, check out those sites. Uh, I'm an administrator for Stop Heroin Wisconsin. Also, it's a great site. There's a lot of information that comes out of that page. Uh, so it's a really good resource and tool to to find help and uh, get current events. Um, so, Linda, you I know besides doing this, you you also speak at many events in the communities. Uh, what struggles have you had? getting to this point with the awareness pages and, and really getting your message out, you know, when you go out and speak? You know, it, it, what's really a struggle for me, I think, is um, the shame that surrounds this addiction. And it is a disease. The National Institute of Health and the CDC both label it as a disease. Um, yet people, you know, the biggest struggle is they think it's a, a matter of willpower. Um, just stop. Is I hear that a lot. You know, people don't understand, you know, or you got what you deserve is the most horrible thing I hear. Um, Getting into the schools has been a struggle. Um, Some schools are more open, but um, no one wants to be labeled as heroin high or, you know, they they just don't want to really see it. Um, So getting in and being able to address the problem has been a fight, but we're getting there and awareness is spreading. Sure. It, it, for for other listeners out there that might be going through this the same kind of thing, um, you know, is is there anything that you could tell them? Any message that you could maybe get them to to help get these programs into the schools? Oh, sure. Um, I I think if they just kind of Google the the causes or the established um, 
programs and people that are out there fighting in their state and hook up with them. Um, you know, United, I think we have a bigger voice. Um, there's a lot of, you know, small little startups that are trying to tackle this. And, you know, we've actually, as a group in Wisconsin, come together for some other causes because, it, you know, if you're, if you're able to show the numbers, people start listening. Absolutely, you know, and I and I'm starting to see that in our state. Um, certainly, some of these groups that are out there are now starting to come together and work together and become something bigger, you know, uh, than than the individual pieces. Um, so, on this Facebook page that you have, you know, I, I uh, for Stop Here in Wisconsin, I, I posted just recently, and and it was a very controversial topic. So, and, and Facebook is one of those sites that can really draw people into controversy. Uh, what posts on Facebook do you see being viewed as as the most controversial uh, topics on Stop Here in Wisconsin, or, or what topics do you really see polarizing a lot of people? You know, I, I, there's. There's a couple that are recurring, and one of them is um, when we talk about uh, the narcotic pills and uh, stricter regulations, um, a lot of people get very upset. There are a lot of people that are in pain that are taking these pills, and the thought of someone taking away their medication um, is a real big deal. So um, there, there's kind of a clash between uh, people wanting this regulated properly um, it used to be just used, these pills were used in, in uh, post-surgery settings or, for instance, a patient dying of uh, cancer in great pain. But now they're, they're used for chronic pain. So that there's a difference, and it happened just around the year 2000 that that all changed. So people get very upset when we talk about taking away their medication, and there's a lot of posts that go back and forth that we kind of have to monitor about that. Um, and the other one is, like I said, about willpower. Um, uh, there are some people that'll just go to the page and maybe have nothing better to do, but you know they will tell addicts, you know, just stop doing it, and it doesn't work that way. It changes your brain chemistry. I, I can certainly relate and understand that. So. Um, this is a really difficult industry to be in, you know, I, as an interventionist and a recovery coach, uh, you know, we see some successes, but we certainly see a lot of failures too. And it's about helping people th- through that point. And, and it can be very emotionally, very emotionally demanding. Uh, what really keeps you going, you know, through this process and dealing with some of these failures? Well, Jacob, um, the way I look at life, you know, I'm I mean, this I've been handed. And and let me let me refrain. I don't want to say failures uh, because uh, people who use drug addicts are not failures. Um, they've made a mistake. It moved them to a bad decision. Now they need to make the choice to get better. So so uh, society may view them as that. But but okay. So what keeps you going through this? Oh, I just have to comment on your point because sure. that's such a good point. Um, you know, here's the thing, everyone. The drug landscape has changed. It is different. Kids aren't drinking beer and smoking pot. That's not the thing anymore like when I was young. Um, They are using pills. One in five high school seniors admit using the pills. Those are the ones that admit it. These kids are partying on narcotics. So what keeps me going? Um, I think I've been handed this, you know, these are the cards I've been dealt. I lost both of my boys. I have a moral obligation um, as, a, as a human being, which I, I wish everyone thought they did, to tell what I did not know when my son was using. I have so much knowledge that I need to share. And 
sharing that knowledge, if it saves somebody else's kid, that's, that's what I'm here for. Sure. And one of the things that we, you know, talked about is there's a lot of people who uh, believe these, you know, they need these medications. And there certainly are some people that do. Uh, the people that get to heroin, the kids that we see get to heroin, uh, in the studies that you've read, what percentage um, do you think, you know, start with a prescription pill and then move to heroin? Well, the studies that I've seen online, um, they vary between 70% and 88%. My own experience, and I've talked to hundreds of people in active addiction, um, I'm looking at 97% used pills prior to going to heroin. And of that percentage, about half knew that what they were doing was synthetic heroin, um, but almost 100% said they would never make that switch. They thought they had that control, you know, when you're that age, you're infallible. And they say they, they looked at heroin use as losers. And they said they would never make that switch. And here, here we are talking. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. After, you know, six years of using prescription opiates, for me, um, you know, moving to heroin was a move made really out of desperation uh, from taking those painkillers. I was hooked on heroin before I even touched heroin. Um, and, and later on, in a, in a few weeks, I'm going to be doing a show actually on people uh, who were in extreme pain, uh, who are hooked on high doses of painkillers, who have managed to get off that and deal with the pain uh, without heavy doses of pharmaceuticals. Um, so, Linda, for, for somebody starting out wanting to do something similar, uh, you know, start a Facebook page or awareness, do you have any advice for them? Well, I, I think if they just uh, look in their community, you know, uh, gather resources, there's other parents out there. Even if you just put something out there, you'll be surprised how many people you connect with. You know, link it to your personal Facebook page. Don't be ashamed. Talk about it. And people will connect with you and you will make a difference. You know, I have people saying all the time, I'm so glad you're doing this. Don't ever stop doing this. And they need that connection. One of the things that really surprised me in my early recovery is when I started to become more outspoken about what I went through, um, I, I got a very different response than what I what I would have traditionally expected. So many people came came back and said, "Wow, you know, I'm, I know somebody who's going through this, or I have a brother, a sister, a friend who's going through the same issue. I completely understand." Um, and then they were supportive of my recovery. Congratulations! It's so good to hear you know that you're clean and doing well, and and we support that. And I think I talked about that you know my last show that at first I was going, "Why am I getting congratulations?" and saying congratulations for something that I shouldn't have been doing in the first place. And then I realized that is a criminal mindset saying, you know, I should be punished for doing this thing instead of getting help. Uh, you know, if, if somebody came up to you and said, hey, my uh, cancer's been in remission for two years, absolutely, you'd say, congratulations, way to go. You know, how are you doing it? Uh, you know, and so, so I, I'm starting to see people, you know, talk to me and when they say congratulations, um, I'm starting to realize that that air is maybe changing from that criminal mentality to an, an air of, uh, of help and, and treatment and trying to get people help. So, Linda, what, what is your dream uh, for Stop Heroin Now Incorporated and, and what are your plans to get there? Where do you want to see this go? Oh, my, my real dream is that we can establish, actually mandate, federally mandate education programs starting in grade schools, uh, about pills, and that we can separate this from other dangers. There are a lot of dangers out there for our kids. Um, I need them to know this one's a killer. 
because really, you know, we need to take care of the people that are now addicted, but we can't just put our finger in the dam to try and stop this in the future. We need to establish something where kids will understand this is different than anything else. Don't ever try a prescription drug that is not yours and stop it. Stop it before it starts. Sure. That's my dream. Absolutely, you know, and, and I certainly want to uh, see you uh, get there. So, uh, what I want my listeners to do right now is, if uh, you believe in this cause and and you uh, want to help this out, I want you to go to Stop Heroin Now. Dot org um, and donate generously. This money will go towards programs and to, in the school systems and really getting people the help and treatment they need. Uh, but here's the other thing: if uh, you have an idea of how to get a, a government grant or corporate sponsorship. If you're a business that wants to donate to this cause, uh, send me an email at jacobjansen at itookthehighroad.com and let's figure out how we can get some really good educational programs in the school systems and get some of these people who have made that bad decision the really the help they need. And let's not just lock them up and forget about them. Let's get them some treatment. So, uh, you know, Linda, we're, we're getting close to break here, but uh, I want to talk about the Soberhead Challenge that's going around. Can you tell me just a little bit about what that is? Oh, yes. Um, most amazing person I know, uh, Lindsay Garrick um, from the Force Clothing. Uh, this is her brainchild. The Soberhead Challenge is a, a group of um, nonprofits here in Wisconsin, and we've gotten together and what we're doing is shooting videos and challenging people to give up a substance for three days or 72 hours. And it can be anything, coffee, cigarettes, you know, something that, that you really think you need. Um, it, it helps you understand addiction. And also, um, whether you make it or fail, if you go to uh, SoberheadChallenge.com, donate $25 because this will also go toward education and rehabilitation. Yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the Soberhead Challenge in the next segment with our next guest. Um, so, Linda, do you, do you have any uh, final message that you'd really like to leave the listeners with? Um, yes, I do. I, if you have prescription pain pills in your home and you're not using them, call the nearest police department or pharmacy and find out how to dispose of them. If you are taking these medications, you must lock them up. They're exactly like having a loaded gun on your coffee table or the counter um, so or in your medicine cabinet. If you trust your kids, lock them up. Um, it's the reason there's heroin addicts right now. So you need to do that. Okay. Thank you, Linda Lenz, for, for joining me here today. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we get back, we're going to talk with Patty Lomas, uh, the founder of the C.J. Lomas Recovery Foundation. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Hi, my name is Jacob Jansen, and I am the owner of My Recovery Project. Do you know someone using drugs or alcohol? Are their actions negatively affecting you or people you care about? If so, it is time for an intervention. Far too often, we are a country that acts after problems arise. It is time to act now. Interventions confront a person and allow them to see their self-destructive behavior and how it affects themselves, family, and friends. Just as important, interventions help the family understand the disease of addiction and make sure the loved one gets the help they need by offering a solution of treatment. 
I have been through the hell of addiction, and I have found a passion in recovery helping others. Getting a person into treatment can be a difficult task. I help the family through this, providing options, and I become a mediator during the intervention. If you would like more information, please visit www.myrecoveryproject.com or call 262-290-1072 for a free consultation before things get worse. My name is Linda Lenz. Last year, my husband and I received a phone call that no parent should ever receive. We received a call that our 23-year-old son had died of a heroin overdose. We were on a mission to find out how this could happen. He was a beautiful person, intelligent, a straight-A student, and a wonderful son. But here's what we did not know. The drug landscape had changed. Kids in junior high and high school were using prescription pills to get high. Prescription pills are opiates, just like heroin, and they can be found in almost every home's medicine cabinet. To combat this problem, we established a Facebook page, Stop Heroin WI, and a website, StopHeroinNow.org. Please go to this website and donate generously. All of your money goes directly to prevention programs and rehabilitation programs. StopHeroinNow.org. So no parent ever has to receive that phone call. Cancer is not something to be taken lightly. But instead of being talked at by doctors, medical providers, and others, wouldn't it be nice to hear from a host who has worked at the cancer coalface for 38 years as a caregiver, supporter for 14,000 patients, and who has had the experience of having a life-threatening condition herself? You will hear the stories of survivors and other people who work in breakthrough cancer medicine. Navigating the Cancer Maze with host Grace Goller will help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to I Took the High Road with host Jacob Jansen. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send us an email at jacobjansen at itookthehighroad.com. Now, back to the show. Hello again, I'm Jacob Jansen, and you're listening to I Took the High Road. Today's show is on drug prevention and awareness, people making a difference. Uh, and joining me here is Patty Lomas, founder of the C.J. Lomas Recovery Foundation. Hi, Patty. Thank Good you for morning, joining Jacob. us. Good morning, Jacob. Thank you. Uh, so, Patty, can, can you tell me a little bit about your organization and why you decided to start it? Absolutely. I think that anyone who has ever lost someone um, that they love from a drug addiction they undoubtedly know the multitude of challenges that a um, addict faces. And on March 18th of 2012, we lost our son, CJ, to a heroin overdose. Um, because he fought so hard and helped so many others with their fight, we decided the best way we could honor his memory was to continue to help others struggling with drugs or alcohol. 
Um, so that's why we established the C.J. Lomas Recovery Foundation, uh, which is a 501c3 charitable organization. We are dedicated to providing emotional support to the families uh, with loved ones lost in this ugly world of addiction, as well as providing financial support to individuals in need to help fight their personal battle with addiction. You know, that that's just, you know, great what you're doing. And, and I didn't know CJ, but I, I know he would be very proud of what you're doing. Um, you know, in, in doing my work as an interventionist and a coach, I come across so many individuals, none of which I would say are, are bad people. You know, most of these people are, are good people and they've made bad decisions and are trying to get back to that point. Right. So, so I'm right. sure Thank you. Uh, CJ would be very proud of what you decided to do and, and move forward with this. So. Uh, when you're out there raising money, because I know that's one of the things you do, you do a golf outing and uh, you're out right. there raising money for scholarships. Uh, what do you think is that the most difficult part about that? Is there really a stigma attached with this disease and, and raising money for uh, this this type of, uh, of thing? Well, when I'm out there, the first thing um, that it's difficult is to convince the individuals uh, that these people who are struggling with addiction need help especially if they have no personal connection to it. But once I start to tell my personal story, I tell about CJ, what an incredible young man he was, how hard he worked to try and overcome his addiction, what we're doing as an organization, where their money's going to go. Most people um, become pretty generous. Okay. Um, if they can put a face to the foundation uh, that seems to help. So once they understand, like I said, what we're doing and where the money is going, uh, they're pretty understanding. That's good. That maybe that stigma is really, you know, starting to be be taken out of this. Um, and and the, I, you know, I heard you say that. Uh, I think you called it difficult. Quitting was was difficult, and and it's not something that's necessarily just an easy choice for an individual to make. And uh, in the last segment, we talked about the sober head challenge. Uh, you you actually accepted this challenge. I so did. Do you want to tell me a little bit about your experience I did. and, and, I did. and what happened um, with that? What I have it been you? fortunate enough to be on that uh, committee where we all collaborated on this with Lindsay Garrick and Linda Lenz and. Uh, Douglas and um, Anthony and also Patrick from Sal's House. So I accepted the challenge and I have been a longtime smoker and decided that I was going to try and quit smoking for 72 hours. So <laughs> we did so a easy. video, not so easy. <laughs> we did a video um, accepting the challenge and I put my cigarettes in a blender and, you know, made a big deal out of it. And then the next day wasn't so easy. Uh, and I failed. I was not able to uh, commit to what I said that I was going to do. And what that did for me was made me really understand the difficulties that people that are struggling with drugs or alcohol go through. I thought because of all the years that I saw CJ struggle, I thought I understood. Um, but I really didn't. I really didn't have a clue how hard it really sure. was for for all the listeners out there too you know we're doing the soberhead challenge formally uh, but what i would invite any listener to do to to, to try and get grasps grasps 
grasp, excuse me, some concept of uh, what these people are going through. Take your favorite substance, the favorite thing you're doing, uh, that that thing that may not be healthy for you, and try and give it up for three days. And you know that's just a taste of uh, what a heroin addict goes through. That to 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 move away from that substance, but um, it's so much more powerful than that uh, than than some of these other substances. Well, and even with I know with the heroin, it becomes not a pleasure anymore. They become physically addicted to it, oh. much like what I went through when I tried to quit cigarettes. Sure, absolutely. On, on would, such a smaller scale. Yep, I would become so physically sick if right. I didn't have it. It became um, not about getting high anymore, but being able to function, absolutely. being able to get up every day and make it to work, uh, be able to even get to the judicial system or WCS or the courts. I would have to use just to make it to get out of bed to get there, and, and it was uh, so crippling that if I didn't have it, nothing was going to get done that day. Um, so, so, so this challenge was right. awesome and yeah. giving us that parallel to what addicts go through sure. versus my little quest of trying to quit smoking. Sure. When when I was incarcerated and I would tell the, the, the correctional officers that you know I was over a year clean on heroin, they'd have very, very little response. But when I tell them that I quit smoking for three or four months or quit nicotine, uh, very, very different response, something that they could relate to, but they couldn't necessarily quit themselves. So, you know, it, it, it really changed their mind to say, wow, you know, if heroin is just as tough to give up as cigarettes and I can't give up cigarettes, now I'm starting to understand what these people are going through. So uh, besides raising money uh, to get people into treatment, Patty, you've, you've also started a support group for family members. Uh, how did you decide to, to start this group? How did that form? Well, during CJ's many years of addiction, my husband and I received quite an education. Not an education that we necessarily wanted, but an education indeed. So at that time, we felt as though it would be a shame not to share that education with other families that are going through the same struggles that we went through. So essentially, that's why we formed um, the Family and Friends Support Group. It's a place where family members can come um, and they can share with others who may be experiencing some of the same concerns that they are. The one thing that we've made sure of is that this place is done in a non-judgmental, non-shaming, and supportive way. Um, family members and friends and healthy relationships are some of the most important elements in someone's recovery, as I'm sure you know. Mm -hmm, uh, individuals struggling need these positive influences, but a lot of times those positive influences, such as family members, don't have a place to go. Sure. So our goal in forming this group is to emotionally support and educate the parents uh, the family members and significant others, mostly as where to draw the line between enabling and the pro proper support of the loved one. This disease does not have to, com to continue to be the elephant in the room. Sure. Um, so we are very fortunate to have the support of a highly, highly qualified AODA counselor that is committed to attend each meeting. So the parents receive professional advice as well as our personal advice. We also have several recovering, long-term recovering addicts that come as well. Their personal stories and input for our group 
continues to provide the hope that these families need to carry with them every day. The hope that recovery is possible. You know, if somebody in Wisconsin wanted to get a hold of you or join this group, how would they do that? We have a, a website, www.cjlomasrecoveryfoundation.org. There is a, a page for our family and friends support group, as well as a calendar um, indicating the dates of our meetings. Awesome. Um, so we think of addiction as such a, a personal issue when really in actuality it, it affects so many in the family as you were kind of uh, right. talking about and that's why you started the, the, started the support group. Uh, how has uh, forming that support group really helped you, you know, in this difficult process? Well, I definitely think that, I, I mean, I know that addiction is a family disease. It affects every single person in the family, not only my husband and I, but it also affected our younger son tremendously. Um, but personally, I think anytime that you can help someone else, you're truly helping yourself. Every other Tuesday when we have our meetings, uh, we open our arms, we open our hearts to help these poor people who are literally going through hell with their children. Uh, they have nowhere to turn, no one to talk to, and no one who understands what they're going through. And I remember having that feeling, and it's an awful feeling. Um, so when we go through this every Tuesday and we open up those old wounds, when these people leave our home and we know they feel so much better, we feel better. And I also know it's exactly what CJ would want us to do. Yep, you know, and when we talk about this as a family disease, uh, when I was actively using, uh, that was something that I certainly couldn't see. I was going, this is my body. I'm, I can use it the way that I want to, and it's only affecting me. Uh, when in actuality, I was really affecting the, the people that were closest to me. You know, I recently found out uh, that my sister, while I was going through this, got help herself and, and uh, went to a therapist. Uh, my parents sought out Al-Anon help and sought therapy and help for them um, and counseling. So uh, they had me move home, so they took less stress off them. I, I really didn't realize how much I was affecting the, the people in my family. Um, so what has going through this you know, difficult situation of, of losing your son and now building this foundation and, and dealing with this heroin problem, what, what has it taught you? I think the biggest lesson it's taught me is that even though we loved our son with all our hearts, we couldn't save him. We couldn't fix him. We don't have that control. Um, I do thank God every day for my faith because without that, I don't think I'd be able to continue to do what I do. And and you need to hear this, that it's not your fault. Oh, I know. That, you know I and, absolutely and I'm sure, know it's not sure our fault. Known that and, and, I absolutely um, know that. It doesn't take the heartache away. I know. Yes, it's uh, and and I uh, can't even imagine what you guys went through. But um, I'm really happy to have you here and, and talking about it and really helping some other people get through this so it doesn't happen again. Thank you. Um, so you know, and maybe on a little bit brighter note, what are what are your plans for the the future plans for the the CJ Lomas Foundation? What do you want to see happen? Well, we're going to continue to do what we do best, and that is um, to continue to educate counsel and support families living this nightmare through our our family support group and we will continue to provide the financial grants to individuals struggling with addiction anyone who is committed to intense inpatient recovery program uh we we would like this year to 
continue to make and form partnerships as we've done in the past with Rise Together, Sales House, Stop Heroin Wisconsin. Because I think, like Linda said, the more voices we have, the more successful we're going to be. I can't change this problem by myself. My husband can't, Linda can't, but together we have a much better chance. Absolutely. And we have to come together. And I encourage all the listeners out there um, to go to the SAMHSA webpage and uh, check out if there's any local events in your area. In Wisconsin, we have a rally at the Capitol uh, tomorrow, September 13th, between 11 and 3 p.m., I believe it is, on the, on the state side, uh, the State Street side. Um, so if you want to go up there, uh, support uh, recovery, we'd be glad to have you up there. I'll be up there. Linda Lenz will be up there. I will be in Milwaukee. Allen O Club has their walk okay. tomorrow for Recovery Month. Fantastic. Yep. So, you know, I encourage the listeners to to just get out there, um, you know, find some events and, and you know, make a difference in your community. Um, so uh, I'm going to prompt you into this a little bit. We talked about the Soberhead Challenge. Is there anybody that you would like to call out for the Soberhead Challenge? I think I'm going to call you out. Sounds good, Uh, Patty. I will accept that challenge. And for all my listeners out there, I will be uh, posting the video on the My Recovery Project and the Stop Heroin Wisconsin Facebook sites. And I will be giving up um, caffeine and carbonated beverages for the next three days. I've already given up uh, heroin and quite a few other illegal substances. I'm going to try and do one more. Uh, So, Patty, do you have any final messages that you'd really like to leave our listeners with today? I would. And my final message would be, if you find yourself struggling with drugs or alcohol, or you have a family member who is struggling, please get some help. There's a lot of resources out there, a lot of uh, organizations that are willing to help. And just please get yourself some help. Oh, thank you, Patty. Uh, Patty Lomas from the C.J. Lomas Recovery Foundation. I want to thank you for being here. Uh, we're going to take a short commercial break from our sponsors, and when we get back, we're going to talk with Anthony Alvarado and Douglas Darby, the co-founders of Rise Together. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You read about it in health news every day. Cancer rates are going up. Obesity in the U.S. is on the rise. Heart disease and diabetes are top killers every year. We can follow the advice of our doctor, but cravings persist. Weight goes up and energy is still down. It doesn't have to be like this. Tune in for Body Balance Talk with your host, Jeannie Schmidt, along with Lucy and Madeline. You'll learn how you can work with your body to feel better and look better, too. Body Balance Talk airs live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. My name is Linda Lenz. Last year, my husband and I received a phone call that no parent should ever receive. We received a call that our 23-year-old son had died of a heroin overdose. We were on a mission to find out how this could happen. He was a beautiful person, intelligent, a straight-A student, and a wonderful son. But here's what we did not know. The drug landscape had changed. Kids in junior high and high school 
were using prescription pills to get high. Prescription pills are opiates, just like heroin, and they can be found in almost every home's medicine cabinet. To combat this problem, we established a Facebook page, Stop Heroin WI, and a website, StopHeroinNow.org. Please go to this website and donate generously. All of your money goes directly to prevention programs and rehabilitation programs. StopHeroinNow.org. So no parent ever has to receive that phone call. Hi, my name is Jacob Jansen, and I am the owner of My Recovery Project. Do you know someone using drugs or alcohol? Are their actions negatively affecting you or people you care about? If so, it is time for an intervention. Far too often, we are a country that acts after problems arise. It is time to act now. Interventions confront a person and allow them to see their self-destructive behavior and how it affects themselves, family, and friends. Just as important, interventions help the family understand the disease of addiction and make sure the loved one gets the help they need by offering a solution of treatment. I have been through the hell of addiction, and I have found a passion in recovery helping others. Getting a person into treatment can be a difficult task. I help the family through this, providing options, and I become a mediator during the intervention. If you would like more information, please visit www.myrecoveryproject.com or call 262-290-1072 for a free consultation before things get worse. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to I Took the High Road with host Jacob Jansen. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send us an email at jacobjansen at itookthehighroad.com. Now, back to the show. Hello again, everyone. Uh, my name is Jacob Jansen, and this is, your, this is I Took the High Road, and today's show is on drug prevention and awareness, people making a difference. Uh, for our last segment, we have some real special guests that are doing some great things out there in the schools, talking to a lot of kids, getting their message out there. Anthony Alvarado and Douglas Darby, the co-founders of Rise Together. Uh, thank you guys for joining me on the show. Thank you so much for inviting us. This is awesome. Yeah, it's uh, so, a pleasure. We do appreciate it. Oh, no problem. You guys are, are, are doing great things, getting your message out there. So uh, can you uh, please tell me a little bit you know, about yourselves, why you got into this, you know, your organization, and, and why you started it? You know, it started out uh, with both of our addictions, really. And for myself, it was that long road of drug abuse that led me down a dark path for a lot of years and eventually ended with, um, a needle in my arm, and I found myself at the end of my rope, literally, um, when I was facing 88 years in prison. I just robbed two pharmacies within about a two-week span, and coming from a child, if you will, I mean, I lost my dad to the same addiction at the age of 15, and to really be at that full circle, um, end of the tunnel type deal, uh, with the rope around my neck sitting in a jail cell, it was my eye opening and it was, you know, the light that I didn't even have for myself, but my family, uh, really giving me the strength to go on. And I did serve a three year, uh, incarceration, but I did get the help that I needed in there. And more importantly, it was help that I wanted. 
when I got out, I knew that to stay accountable in my own sobriety, I needed to go out and share my message. And I thought, what better way to do it than to give back and maybe help prevent just one kid from going down this path? Sure, you know, absolutely, and and that's kind of really how I got started too. I was kind of in the same situation. I was facing fifty-seven years in prison uh, for distribution, and uh, really decided that I needed to get clean if I was going to stay out of prison. And then really made that next jump to to say I want to uh, start helping some people. Um, yeah, we did we did a lot of bad in in our lives, but that doesn't mean that you can't right those wrongs or give back and tip those scales back into the favor. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. One, no, I was just going to go in. I mean, just like uh, any any movement, though, kind of just spreads from one voice to another. You know, one storyteller to another. We all have our own story. And, uh, you know, Doug had his going out there and speaking to the schools. And, you know, I did my own wrongs as well. And I was trying to give back to the community. And we just came together, you know, just last year. This is actually our one-year anniversary of Rise Together today. So this is actually a phenomenal moment. And we made it this far, and they're actually going out and making a difference in, hey, in our youth. Yeah, I just got to say congratulations on that. Uh, what you guys have accomplished in a year takes uh, uh, a lot of other people a lot longer to do. I know you guys have really been pushing and, and making a difference. So, thank you. Um, thank you. Yes. You, you know, one of the things that, you know, that, that, I, uh, that I hear you guys talk about sometimes on Stop Heroin Wisconsin is this Rise Together street, street team. Uh, so, so what is that Rise Together street team, and what do they do, really? Yeah, with Rise Together, we focus on a couple different things, and one of them is obviously prevention education because we're speaking to the youth. So we go in and we talk from anywhere from 6th graders all the way up to 12th graders and beyond to the general public. But in process of that and that happening, since we have such an engaged audience, the students themselves have come to us and said, you know what, I want to get in, ri- and get in the ride together. I want to help out. I want to spread some awareness. I want to battle this issue right in our own hallways. I want to make a difference in our community. And we formed the Ride Together Street Team because of that asking. So we literally have an army across the state of Wisconsin that's constantly growing. We've been recruiting for the last six months, and we have about 450 members that help us spread the message of recovery on a daily basis. So whether that's online or if it's in the streets, um, at their local schools, their local places of business, or just in their local community, hanging up posters, going out and helping with special events, or eventually just being more um, of a volunteer base for Rise Together, we can continue to make a difference all across the state. Sure. So, and, and why, you know, are these kids coming up to you saying they want to be a part of your program, why do you think your message is, you know, out there and working better than, you know, maybe a program like the D.A.R.E. program, which has come out publicly and said this isn't working? You know, there's a multitude of different reasons. We bring a very personal aspect to our presentation, and it's Anthony and I and the other members of our team that literally get up there and we bear our souls, and we don't tell these kids how to live. It's not a scare tactic. And frankly, it goes deeper than drugs and alcohol. This is about the daily pressures of teenage life, from anxiety to suicidal thoughts to depression to cutting and burning that goes on. And let's face it, even social media alone, uh, kids are dealing with things that not no other generation has dealt with pressure-wise. So if anything, we go out there, and, and if I leave one message to the kids, it's the simple fact that, I get it. Life is hard. But when you think no one cares, I'm standing in front of you today. Anthony is standing in front of you today as well, saying, we get it. We know it's hard. And we just don't want to see you go down the same road we do, because it doesn't get any easier from this point out. 
you know, and and I I think we need to um, have more addicts in recovery out there doing that because you know it's certainly been my experience that. Uh, some of the easiest ways to change somebody's mind or to help them is, is to have gone through that. It kind of breaks down those barriers for communication and uh, makes it a lot easier for that person to listen to your story and recognize that, hey, you know, this person did something. It caused, uh, you know, a very a lot of difficulty in their life, and, and maybe I can avoid this by listening to that story. That's exactly right. You know, we actually extended our program this year, so... We're going back into the schools this year, and it's exciting. You know, we just kicked off our first presentation last Friday to the public over in Sheboygan, and we're starting to hit up, um, you know, lacrosse next week and the Shano at the end of the month, and even hit up Lambeau Field on September 24th for a heroin summit. So it's really, you know, continuing that awareness forward. But we we knew that the storytellers were making a difference. And last year we had a few, and, and this year we're going forward, and we have up to 12 different storytellers that we're going to be working with. So whether they have a story recovery themselves or they have somebody in their life that's close to them that is, uh, you know, in recovery or just battling with a disease of addiction, having multiple perspectives all across the board is very important because maybe it's my story that makes a difference in somebody's life or maybe it's Doug's story or maybe it's uh, somebody from our street team or even some of the other organizations that we work with. I mean, for example, we have Lori from United We Can comes out and she has her own personal perspective from an organizational level but also has a son that's battling with the disease of addiction. So she can offer both ends, both education and personal support. And that is just dynamic all across the board. So when you talk about an effective program, you know, we really have come together, if you will, or, or we rise together and we make a difference <laughs> as one large platform. And that's where you're seeing how effective we are. I mean, we, we do have to say, you know, we're doing a really good job with these kids. We're engaging them on a higher level that's been done in a very long time. It's a relief. These kids are asking for help for the very first time, and yeah. that's extremely dynamic. I mean, they're yeah. asking for help when they're 14, 15 years old instead of waiting until they're 25, 30 years old, you know, about to be locked up in prison or, worse yet, about to hit their deathbed. Well, and, and I think you guys, you know, they're, they're excited about your program. You know, I've heard that kids, you know, very much enjoy hearing this, want you to come back. They want to be involved in a part of this. So, you, you know, you're certainly doing something right, which is great. Um, so you, you're out there talking with a lot of kids in the schools about drug use. You know, what are you seeing right now as far as the current drug trends in the schools you speak at? You know, is, is there a problem out there right now? Yeah, there definitely is a problem. I mean, kids are out there using prescription drugs um, quite commonly. I mean, you're seeing these kind of fishbowl parties going out there, the pharmaceutical parties that are still happening, still mixing in with your common drugs, like your alcohol and your marijuana. And, you know, kids are commonly saying, you know, I, I know people that are using drugs. I can easily obtain these drugs within a couple of phone calls. Um, and that's where you're seeing that transition into the heavier drugs eventually of all heroin. I mean, would you agree, Doug? Yeah, I definitely would. You know, and Rise Together has even taken a step further to really impact communities and let them know what they're facing, even on a county level. Well, we're doing research-based uh, surveys right there in the schools so we can get the pulse of these kids. Now, you got to remember that we are doing a drug and alcohol-based presentation that sometimes lasts up to two and a half hours. And we're finding numbers like 75 80% of the kids are, they feel, Drugs are a problem right there in their own schools. And if you could see some of the counselors or teachers that we've spoken in front of, and when that many hands go up, you really see a state of shock on these teachers' faces because 
that's what we do. We go in and we break that ice with these kids, and the kids are feeling comfortable. And we're seeing numbers like 90% are finding our presentation effective. Now, you got to remember, Rise Together is not treatment, nor do we tend to say that we are. Do we do sure. peer mentoring and, and social intervention? Absolutely. But it's our goal to be the bridge. We want to get these kids into the hands of the professional. Sure, absolutely. How you know? How have you guys uh, how, seen your program change? You know, over the last year, uh, with with you know your presentation to these schools. Well, you know, just like anything, when we first started this out just a year ago, you know, I was, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't ready for it necessarily. I never thought I would be a public speaker myself. So me and Doug uh, personally have become better speakers, better communicators, and really encompass the idea of pushing the recovery movement forward. So instead of saying you know, hi, my name is Anthony, I'm an addict. It's more, hi, my name is Anthony, and I'm a person in long-term recovery. And what that means, I've been completely clean and sober since November 24th of 2012. You know, it's, sure. it's honing in on the idea that there is some positivity um, in life. There's something else that you can focus on besides, you know, using drugs and alcohol as a crutch. You know what I mean? So oh, absolutely. it's a positive message. It's not going in and, and glamorizing the drugs that we've used or, how many parties we went to or whatever the case may be or how much drugs we sold. It's not really any of that. It's really getting these kids motivated to do something different in their lives and to look at something in their lives that is special to them and hold on to that instead of hold on to this facade of partying and alcohol and drinking and, and all these different things, you know, that you're seeing these kids sure. do. You know, and and get, these kids get... come to us and uh, say some pretty hard things to swallow. You know, there's kids that we've met, 13, 14 years old, already with track marks on their arms. You know, sure. they're already yeah, shooting up, and that—that's a rare case. But that's happening here, right in Wisconsin. You know, these kids yeah, don't right. even know how to deal with without the drugs. Some of them. You know, absolutely, and you know, it, and that's the thing that these prescription pills have. You know, that no stigma attached. They're safe. They're from a doctor, and these kids are getting hooked on heroin and having you know serious problems at a, at a very young age. Um, so. You know, for one of the things for me, you know, being an interventionist, a recovery coach, doing this radio show, you know, being able to get back, you know, has been very helpful to my recovery. And in, in AANA, they say you can't get it unless you give it away. So, how has putting this program together really been helpful for each of your recoveries? It's been huge in my own personal uh, recovery, even on a daily basis. It keeps me accountable, and then it gave me the support system that I so desperately wanted. That was my biggest fear coming out of prison was, man, I, I don't have any friends. Uh, will I ever have fun again? You know, I, I stayed sober in incarceration, but it was few and far between. Not that it wasn't accessible in there, but it, I knew it was something that I was supposed to do. And when I left, it was the real test. So going out and doing that, I do have a, like Anthony says, an army of people behind me that are looking out for my even well-being. I mean, I am not perfect. I am no saint. I am no angel. I've made mistakes. I've taken steps back. And they help steer me the right way without that judgment and without that constant fear that so many addicts have of being in a shame-based disease. Is It's okay if I fall. I'll know I'll fall in the right direction type of deal. Sure, absolutely. I think there's very much something to be said that uh, addiction lives in the darkness and recovery demands exposure. You know, the more people that we tell about our disease and talk about it to, you know, the more people we have to be accountable to. And that accountability, uh, at least for me, really helps me keep me on that right path and clean, you know, uh, along with making those good decisions. So, exactly. uh, so that's, a, that's an excellent point. 
So uh, where do you guys see Rise together going in the future? Where, where do you want to get this to? You know, what's your dream for this, this organization? I mean, honestly, this is uh, something that was started out of passion, you know, out of something from our heart. You know, me and Doug, separately, before we even started Rise Together, we wanted to make a difference in our community, and we were seeing too many friends and family members be swallowed up by the disease of addiction or just substance abuse issues, and it's personally torn my family apart. It's torn my personal life apart, and and I originally started this uh, on my end for my children. You know, I want to leave a legacy behind for my kids, I want to show them that there's a different way to live. You don't have to grow up like I did and give them that, that uh, support as a father. And sure. ultimately, that kind of transcends over into what we want to do for the community, for the both of us. We want to make a difference. We want to establish a preventative-based program back into the schools. That's not only just going to come in and engage an audience off of one high-impact presentation, but start building uh, a fair amount of evidence-based research so we can start defining the culture and changing that culture of the school so we can start helping, um, I guess, establish true prevention work back into a school curriculum no, it's, or, it's... you know, offer recovery advocacy programs that the youth can put on to help, uh, you know, reach out to their local students that are dealing with substance abuse issues and make a difference in people's lives at such an earlier point of their lives. You know, sure, and, we know and... we can look at the whole recovery model and it's, there's so many gaps. And if Rise Together can at least hone in on prevention education and establish that throughout the state and beyond, that's where our sure. heart sits. Uh, well, you know, and we only got about a minute here left. So if somebody wants to get a hold of uh, Rise Together, how would they do that to, to yeah, speak in their school? Right on, uh, right on Facebook to search Rise Together. Um, we have an awesome page. Also, we'll have a website going out on the 19th. It's going to be weallrisetogether.org, so you can check that out as well. And um, that's pretty easy. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, guys. That's about all the time we have today. I'd like to thank my guests, Linda Lenz, uh, Patty Lomas, Anthony Alvarado, and Douglas Darby. Uh, thank you guys, Douglas and Anthony, for both being on my show. Appreciate right, it. Thank you. Um, and please join us next week uh, for another episode of I Took the High Road. You guys have a great week. You as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to I Took the High Road. Please join Jacob Jansen for another encouraging hour next Friday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll see you next week.